0: Lord Jesus, you came to us hidden in the womb of a virgin. You brought us victory hidden in your death on the cross. And now you come to us on a Sunday hidden in your word and sacraments and people. Open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear from you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. In C.S. Lewis' fantastic story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a great passage that illustrates what our scripture lessons speak of today, which is that God in His kingdom is actively at work in the world, very much so, but that often this work is hidden, at least from us. Uh, In the story, Aslan the Lion, the great king of Narnia, he's just sacrificed himself um, out of love for his, his creation. And um, it looks as though the evil witch has won and the little characters that have been following him along, Lucy and Susan, they've become quite attached to the great lion and now they're grieving the loss of their friend. In fact, they look on the stone table the next morning after his death and they realize that his huge lion body is missing. And so one of the girls says, oh no, what happened? Is this more magic? What, where where did his? They could have at least left his body. And from out behind them, a great voice booms. In the words of Lewis, Yes, said a voice from behind their backs. It is more magic. The little girls looked around, and there, shining in the sunrise larger than they had seen him before, shaking his mane, stood Aslan himself, Oh, you're real, you're real, Aslan, cried the little girls. They both flung themselves on the lion, covered him with kisses. But what does this all mean, asked Susan. It means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still, which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little farther back, into the stillness, into the darkness before time dawned, the witch would have read a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, that the table would crack and that death itself would start working backward. There is Christian a deeper magic. I think the reality for us, though, is that it's hard to see this deeper magic of the kingdom of God. And so we do a couple of things in response when we can't see God's kingdom actively happening and growing and transforming the world around us. One of the things we do is we just throw up our hands in despair. We give up. Maybe God's kingdom isn't really even a thing. Maybe it doesn't exist at all. Or the other thing we do is we try to micromanage God's kingdom. We say, oh, I know how God's kingdom is going to come. It's going to come through this political party, right? Or this celebrity preacher. Or my own virtuous life. All of which are incorrect. Avoiding both of these extremes, today our collect goes like this. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, in your steadfast faith and love. And I would add here in parentheses since, God, we often lose sight of the deeper magic of your kingdom, that through your grace we may proclaim, as the church, your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. So, God's kingdom, it is hopeful, it is active, it is at work, but it is often hidden. This is what we're going to learn today from our passages, first in Ezekiel and then the gospel. Take your scripture inserts, follow along with me. We're jumping right into the midst of a story here in Ezekiel, and so we'll try to make quick work of it. The hopeful, hidden kingdom of God. There is a deeper magic still. In this Ezekiel passage, God tells his people Israel that they are going to flourish in miraculous ways but what you may not realize is that Israel was given this prophecy while they were in exile God was telling them they would flourish right during the time when they were enslaved you're going to be blessed as they heard those words right when they literally did not know who they were as a people they weren't home they had been stripped. Remember, this is what exile means. they be stripped of your cultural identity, your religious identity. We don't belong here. They lived everyday thinking, God, you've abandoned us. Into the midst of this crisis and despair, God says this, don't despair, Israel. Remember the deeper magic of my covenant promises to you. They're not based on your failures, which is what got Israel into that situation. Neither, God says, are they based on the successes of the enemies all around you who are currently enslaving you. My covenant promises, my kingdom is hidden but hopeful and you will flourish. They've, it flows from my faithful character. You will one day be like this beautiful huge tree, offering life even to those around it. Um, there's a, uh, there was an article this past February from the Houston Chronicle that talked about the church in China and how in 2030, in the year 2030, there will be more Christians in China than in any other nation in the world. Friends, this is unbelievable because in China it's illegal to be a Christian. God's kingdom is at work around us, but it is often hidden. I wonder how this strikes you today in your own world, in your family, in your work life, in your moral life. Uh, How do you need to hear this message? That even though God is at work in your life right now, you may not be seeing it. You may be in despair. Maybe like Israel, your own choices have left you somewhat blind to God's active, transformative kingdom. Maybe the, the evil in, in your life, in your family, uh, in the world, that you're reading on the news, etc. is so pervasive and depressive to you that you're almost ready just to give up. God's kingdom can't be real in the midst of all this mess, you think. Either way, you've forgotten God's promise that the deeper magic of his kingdom will prevail. It's not stopped by your failure. It's not stopped by the evil forces around you. This is the good news of the gospel from Ezekiel. Now look at the gospel passage. A similar point about God's kingdom is being made here in the gospel story. As Jesus gives us two parables, two stories... Of flourishing. In fact, he tells his audience that God's plan to rescue humanity is sort of like a farmer who plants seeds and then the farmer comes back to find a complete uh, flourishing garden after having done virtually nothing. And again, talk about a green thumb. Again, God's rescue plan uh, begins with the throwaway seeds of a weed or a shrub. That's the mustard plant. And that what results from these throwaway seeds is complete ground coverage. Amazing growth. God, would you please send this to our yard in College Park. Amen. These stories that Jesus tells are hopeful in one sense because he's saying that, look, God is in control of the deeper magic of his kingdom. You're not in control no one else is in... It's, it's God's business. It's somewhat mysterious, really. It's magic. But in another sense, what you may not realize is that Jesus' picture of the kingdom of God here is, is and was far different from the display of military power and political prowess that his audience was expecting. They were thinking that God was going to send a rose bush seed. Nope. It's a throwaway seed for a weed, a shrub. That's the image that Jesus gives them. This is God's kingdom. It's hard to see. You know, it's possible that under your nose right now, in some corner of your life, God and His deeper magic, His hopeful kingdom, is moving and working and transforming, but it's just hidden. I experienced this a few years ago uh, firsthand during my first year at the cathedral. I just entered the ordination process and I confess to you, like uh, all young seminarians, uh, basically I, I knew everything. I knew exactly how God's kingdom was going to come in all of its fullness. That is to say, I didn't have the expectation like Jesus' audience that um, that God's kingdom was going to come through political power maybe or I didn't fall prey to the notion... Um, well, I did fall prey to the notion that, that particular ministry methods were going to usher God's kingdom in. That ministry to, uh, let's say, the hipsters, right? Or a certain age group. Or a certain, at a certain place. In a certain denomination or tradition. That these were how I was going to see God's kingdom. I had fallen prey to this notion. It was completely wrong. And so I was surprised... One day, after church, Mindy and I on a trip to bring communion to an elderly couple uh, from St. Luke's. I was surprised when we stumbled upon the Kingdom of God in a living room in South Orlando with two 80-year-old brothers and sisters. These folks had been unable to attend Eucharist for a while, and due to health reasons. And so we were sent to their house, and we had our little communion kit. And uh, we had a short liturgy. It was an unbelievably moving experience for me. I just, I didn't realize the extent to which I had begun to buy into the notion that I could tell, I could see, I could explain, I could forecast how God's kingdom was going to come, in whom it was going to come, through what ministry methods it was going to come. But I had. And I was wrong. Mindy and I sat there together in the living room uh, with the elderly wife as she helped her husband uh, out of his bed into the wheelchair, brought him into the living room, and we sat together for a few minutes. We prayed through the liturgy. We asked them about their life. They asked us about our life. And we shared our stories together. And then we shared Jesus' body and Jesus' blood together. And the fabric of time and space was ripped open. And the older and deeper magic of God's kingdom was made manifest. Let me be clear, it was as if God was saying to me, Josh, these two elderly people sitting in front of you today are the mustard seeds of my kingdom. Don't miss it. So how does this strike you today? Where in your life does this message need to be uh, become a part of, of your DNA? Um, perhaps that you, you need to hear that God's magnificent, redemptive work in the world is not going to come through that political party that you thought like you thought, or that cultural movement like you thought. It's not going to come... Um, by your, your own uh, kingdom-building efforts and the kingdom-building efforts of this world, which usually include power and money, fame, celebrity, etc. Either way, maybe you've forgotten God's promise that His deeper magic will prevail even when you cannot see it. I close with a quote from one of my favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, on the Eucharist. You know, the Eucharist every Sunday gives us this picture of what the Scriptures teach. In fact, we get to hold the Scripture's truth in our hands and we put it in our bodies in a very tangible way, although it's hidden, isn't it, in the bread and wine. Now when he's talking to a young Christian and he's teaching him just about the faith and he says this about the Eucharist, he says, Mark, the Eucharist is preeminently the sacrament of God's hiddenness. What is more ordinary than a piece of bread and a sip of wine? What's simpler than the words take and eat, take and drink? and says, I've often stood with friends around a small table, taken the bread and wine and said the words which Jesus spoke when he took leave of his disciples. And it's nothing pretentious, nothing spectacular, no crowd of people, no stirring songs, no formality, and I would add, no smoke machines, no rock bands, no hipster mustaches. Just a few people, eating a piece of bread and drinking a little wine. And yet, in this hiddenness, the risen Jesus is present, and says, and God's love is revealed. He later quotes Mother Teresa, Who has this uh, wonderful statement? You can't see Jesus in the poor unless you see him in the Eucharist. You can't see Jesus in the poor unless you see him in the Eucharist. Where do you need to see this message in your life, in the world today? Have you lost hope? Have you tried to micromanage God's kingdom? Friend, there is a deeper magic. It doesn't depend on you, on your successes, on your failures, on the powers of this world. It comes directly from God himself, who is building his church, right? And the kingdom of hell will not prevail against it. Let us pray. Jesus, open our eyes afresh to see you, to behold you, to worship you. In all the various ways. Strip the blinders from our eyes. Open our ears. We wait for you today as your people. Amen.